0: Hello! I'm Matt Peterson.
1: And I'm Rich Trapier.
0: And this is episode 42 of History on the Table.
1: I assume you've read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, right?
0: Uh, Of course.
1: Okay, so this is the one where we reveal the answer to the top 20
0: games of all time, I guess. Nice. That's a bit of a stretch, but we'll go with it because I didn't have much of a segue <laughs> other than my dog made, making another a bunch of noise right when we were starting to record. So That's awesome.
1: New co-host.
0: New co-host, Rye, Rye Charles Peterson. <laughs> He's a big, hungry, hungry boy. Yeah, Rich, this is a big one. I'm really excited for it. We're doing the listener top 20 games of all time for 2022.
1: Yeah, and it was funny because I think you and I kind of both did the same thing. We didn't uh initially put in our votes and then i decided well i'm just gonna go and put in mine and then you decided oh, i'm gonna put in mine too so we are just one vote among many
0: yes yeah we have uh statistics for all that we're gonna so we're gonna little change of plans for the evening no war game game tonight so oh,
1: people are already tuning it out that's right that's what but i wanted to hear
0: you will still be able to hear Rich struggle over clues. As Rich, <laughs> you have not seen the final top twenty results.
1: I have not.
0: So you have that to look forward to, but of course we have all other stuff to get to. We have our featured game. It's been Fleet Month all month.
1: Yes, and it's been fun. And you've been streaming and everything.
0: Yeah, and nice. we're gonna we're gonna keep it going. Um it's been yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I I didn't have you know, I don't think we have any news this month, which is fine.
1: No, I guess, I mean, we could talk about it an hour later, but, um, it kind of goes with games on the shelf, but games we have ordered, um, I successfully avoided buying anything for any of the sales.
0: Whoa. I
1: know, which I mean, honestly, mostly it's just because, um, I've already got everything, you know, I like, sure. I looked at the GMT sale and like, Oh, you can get all these games half off. I'm like, well, I already bought everything I want to get. So there was nothing, nothing that I really felt that I missed out on that I wanted to pick up. So.
0: Okay, well, we're here. Before we talk about what's get in the mail, so what we got in the mail, let's talk about, yeah, the holiday sales. So, just just about everyone was running some kind of sale. Mm-hmm. Um, I did also avoid most of them except GMT got their claws,
1: yeah, into me. So, what'd you get?
0: Yeah, so I don't own Fire in the Lake. Okay, and Thanks. the third printing just came out like what two months ago. It was eligible for the sale.
1: Okay. Yeah, I already had that one, so.
0: Of course. Urban Sprawl was $10, which is a Euro game. And...
1: Okay, I've heard of it. I've never played it.
0: Sure. And then the the one I'm really excited about is 1805 Sea of Glory.
1: That does not sound like an 18xx game.
0: It is. It is not. It is. It is, <laughs> um, it is it's a Napoleonic game set focus on the english channel
1: okay but it's not like it's not ship to ship like captain c i assume
0: no it's like operational okay naval it's got chip pull i don't know to what extent uh it is block war gaming but they made 10 copies bad copies available for the sale (laughs) and so i started looking at this and it looks pretty interesting. I don't huh. really think I have anything like it.
1: Yeah, that game is not on my radar at all. So interesting.
0: I don't think I had heard of it until the until the sale. Uh, so it's designed by Phil Fry, who did a game called Fire as She Bears as well, which looks to be more of a miniatures game. So and then okay. this, cool. Yeah. Did you have anything? show up in the mail if you avoided the sales
1: no i i did not add anything at all to my my shelves this month i i even went to miniature market I, I was actually there tonight because i was killing time i was dropping my daughter off for choir and uh you know a couple things i mean there was like musk and pike was sitting there and i thought yeah that that looks kind of cool but i also thought how different is it from um the men of iron series and i honestly don't know but it kind of looks the same i'm like oh, let me play all these first Sure. Other than that, the only other game that was that's just been kind of pulling at me is the uh what's the uh the revolutionary one? War- I think it's called War for America. That one looks interesting, and that's currently on the shelf there.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, I did get a couple things. Yeah. Uh and they're I'm I'm pretty excited for both of these because they're both I've seen more about Swords Around the Throne than than the other one here, so they're not like men of iron or pacific war or things you hear about all the time and so Mm -hmm. swords around the throne throne is a strategic napoleonics game okay from my kind of games
1: okay i've heard of that game but don't really know anything about it
0: yeah designed by renown for or verlac sorry uh so grand strategic france and i think the deal here is it's supposed to be like pretty light but it allows you to like cover the whole napoleonic era or take it in bite-sized pieces so it can play in like 30 minutes or you can do like the whole shebang and have like a several hour um it does use cards but not it's not a it's not a card driven game to my knowledge just by like pulling out the cards and looking i haven't read the rules yet the cards have symbols on them but they're i don't see any event cards uh so that Looks pretty awesome. I'm excited to give that one a go. Cool. And the other one was, you know the the Charlie Awards were announced the finalists, right? And I was going through the ballots, and a couple, mm-hmm. not a lot, jumped out at me. Um, you know, last year it was that um that World War One game that, oh, you know what I'm talking about, right? The World War One game that got a lot of.
1: Uh, was it like? death in the trenches or something like that or why can't i think of it it's right
0: behind me but i think it's covered up right now um whatever the world war one game that got a lot of buzz in last year's charlie so nothing jumped out at me like that this year but there was a game that um someone on twitter drew my attention to in the same category that red flag of repairs was in which immediately got my vote because i love red flag of repairs anyways war for war of the triple alliance Mm -hmm. so do you know about the war of the triple alliance so when i think of the
1: triple alliance i think of austerlitz but i don't think that's what you're talking about
0: right and i that's kind of where i don't know if i would nail austerlitz like as you did but that's kind of the time frame i would think and no so this is 1864 south america america and it's paraguay fighting against
1: we were busy at the time we didn't (laughs) didn't know about that war (laughs) that's right
0: uh, fighting against Brazil, Argentina, and Uruguay.
1: Okay. Now, if you just said those names, I'd think you were talking about the World Cup.
0: <laughs> nice. Rich. Rich watches soccer today. I watched and, uh... one game,
1: <laughs> yeah. So I'm an expert now. <laughs> Sorry. I'm gonna I'm gonna get us back on track here. War of the Triple Alliance. No, I want to hear about this because I really, I mean, I would have never known that this war even existed.
0: Yeah, I don't <laughs> think it's super detailed. I think it's a good light game mm. but it does i think do some interesting things with with card play it's it is a card driven game uh point to point and i think there's this interesting mechanic from what i gather of how time is manipulated in the game like the game can last longer depending on how you use your cards to the okay. extent you use those cards or how it plays beyond that i'm not really sure uh someone on twitter is really talking it up and it's like wow i've never heard of this game and then i started like well, that's a really interesting topic. Oh, that's a really great looking map. Uh so yeah. And this is I don't remember if I said it. This is from NAC War Games. Okay. Um, designed by Pedro Martinez.
1: And you've already got these games in your grubby little hands?
0: I do, yes. Okay. Both of them are, are two player. Nice um so
1: Awesome. Yeah. Oh, and uh for done, Steel Inferno is the game. That's you're what it is. About.
0: Yeah. Exactly what I'm thinking. thank you. So yeah, nothing nothing from like the big dogs, but Yeah. I'm I'm kinda on this kick as as once we get into the games you'll see uh diving a little bit into these other uh publishers, which has been fun. It's it's been an experience.
1: Yeah. I'll have to wait till the uh some more P five hundreds start dropping before I order some more. Um I mean, I've got a few things on the P five hundred list and I mean I I'm 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 not swearing off <laughs> buying war games by any means. I've just been slowing down and trying to play the stuff i have more
0: sure yeah okay let's talk about some books which we've sure. both been doing uh i started one that you and several people on the history on the table discord have recommended yeah pacific crucible War at sea in the pacific 1941 to 1942 by ian toll mm-hmm. this
1: is so this is the is that the first one in the three
0: this is book one okay So this is the Pacific War trilogy running from 1941 through 1945, I I assume the third book, and so far it's it's fantastic. And of course, I've started this already to get as much, as far as I can through it all in time for Pacific War, which is next month. Nice,
1: yeah. Yeah. That's great, great. Great book. I enjoyed it quite a bit, so...
0: Yeah, I'm still, I mean, it's it's long. I've, you yeah. know, barely <laughs> made it in. I've kind of been, like, bouncing around things. And really, I, I'm reading... I think uh, that each
1: one get longer, too. So, like, the oh, first good. one, you're like, this is a long book. And, like, by the time you get to the third one, I think it's twice the size of the first one, so...
0: I mentioned this earlier. I am a little disappointed that Grover Gardner does not narrate all of them. Because he's he's one of the best historical narrators out there for audiobooks. Ah.
1: Uh. You know, I don't really like I'll hear it. I'll hear a book and I'll go, oh, yeah, I've heard this guy's voice before, but I never really put names to him. So there's like no name like Grover Gardner. It doesn't really mean anything to me. But if you if I heard his voice, I'd probably be like, oh, yeah, I've heard this guy. He's good.
0: Well, if you ever do all of Shelby Foot, it's narrated by Grover Gardner. And that's, okay. you know, 60 plus hours sure. of narration. And you're really going to know Grover Gardner's <laughs> voice. <laughs> yeah this is my like so when i commute i'm really digging that between two fires book i talked about for spooky season Mm -hmm. it's fantastic it's so good but the language and the detail of violence is is pretty up there so i'll turn on pacific crucible when i'm showering so like my daughter doesn't hear like (laughs) some of the yeah yeah most vile stuff
1: yeah yeah, nice. you know, you know, it's going to be authentic when they have to apologize at the beginning. They're like, "I'm just using the words they said." <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so Pacific Crucible is good, clean listening. Uh, yeah. uh, between two fires, not not so clean. Yeah, yeah. All right, you've been um, reading, sir.
1: Yeah, I listened to a book called "The Earth Is Weeping" by Peter Cousins. This is a pretty good book. Um, I enjoyed it quite a bit. It's about the American uh, and the Plains Indians wars from, you know, eight, basically late 1840s up to about 1890 or so, and um, very extensive. I mean, it covered, like, all the big stuff that you've heard of, for sure, like, you know, Custer and Little Bighorn and, you know, um, Sitting Bull and, I mean, all everything you've heard of is in there, plus a lot of stuff you haven't heard of as well. So it was really fascinating. I mean, he does a good job of talking about, you know, the, the betrayals you know, Indian on Indian betrayal, U.S. lying to the Indians all the time. And, you know, the, the desperation that they had, they're like, yeah, we know they're lying to us. We know they're not going to keep their word, but they're so much more powerful than us. This is, you know, the best we can do is just hope that they will keep their word. And, um, and then there's a lot of Indians that are, you know, they're, they're still raiding and killing people all the time, which brings reprisals and this whole circle of violence. But, you it was a really good book. I enjoyed it quite a bit. It really, as I was reading it, I was thinking about how you did not like the the game, the Plains Indians Wars, and thinking, well, that's a shame because there really should be a good game about this. Um, I have played Comancheria. I have not played yeah, Navajo Wars. Comancheria is, it's interesting. It's fun. It's a solitaire only game, which, you know, i I usually play those a couple of times and lose interest in them, but it really did make me want a good war game on this subject, which I don't know if there is one.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, I. first off, I agree with you. Um, I think that Comincheria is a good, interesting, like, it's one of the better solo-only games. Mm-hmm. We, I mean, we've talked about that a lot, like, not our favorite cup of tea, for sure. But I agree, there should be some two player and I'm sure they're out there I just haven't discovered them yet but Plains Indian Wars was certainly not it
2: yeah
0: yeah that's funny so that book has been on my to read for a long time and then Peter Cousins also has tons of um, Civil War stuff like I think his Chickamauga I think his Chickamauga book is supposed to be like one of the definitive I could be wrong on that don't hold me to that but I think it's one of the go to's for if you're going to read something about Chickamauga
1: Interesting. I'll probably come back to him again at some point once I start playing some Civil War games again.
0: Nice. Uh, And
1: then I also, I haven't finished this one yet, but about halfway through it, uh, Crusaders by Dan Jones. You and I both talked about Dan Jones quite a bit. Um, He's written a lot of books on that time period. He's written Plantagenets and War of the Roses and Templars. Um, I haven't read all of them. I eventually will, but uh, I like his writing. And this one is obviously about the Crusades. So it's good so far.
0: Dan Dan the Medieval Man.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he writes good stuff. I mean, anytime I see one of his books, I know I'm going to like it, so.
0: Yeah. You know what? This is make me think, like, I should get a Dan Jones book and crack <laughs> it open <laughs> yeah. because, yeah, damn, his stuff is great, and I recommended it to my receptionist. She's super into history, uh-huh. and she loved, she started with Plantagenets, which yeah. obviously makes sense, Yep, that's um, I and she with. loved it, so. Yeah. That's that's, good. Yeah. that's a good solid line of reading this month, sir.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've been doing a lot of reading. Um, I guess I've been doing more reading than playing lately, but that's all right.
0: I will just very quickly mention, I wrapped up The Outpost, which I don't think I had mentioned on the show. I know I talked about it, how good it was, mm-hmm. and I just want to confirm, as I finished, it still holds up five out of five. Nice. Cop Keating is just such an interesting mess to me and both Red Platoon which is a very focused on the you know the final battle of Cam Dash and, and the Outposts which really covers from beginning of Copkeating um until US forces finally withdrew from it both are phenomenal um so yeah just 5 out of 5
1: it w- if you were going to if you hadn't read either of them, which one should I read first?
0: It, I guess it depends on how much time you have. The Outpost is much longer. Okay. Red Platoon is a very easy read. It's, but it's so well written in the like level of detail. Actually, in both of them is unnerving and, and sad and maddening all throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, I did Red Platoon first just because, um, I, saw, I watched that Netflix Medal of Honor show. Yeah. That's where I had heard about it. And so you could go that route for sure, but I don't know. Do you want the big picture or do you want the zoomed in on the battle?
1: Okay, cool.
0: No and, uh, wrong choice.
1: Check those out.
0: All right, let's talk about some games. I will real quickly start us off with I played Next War Poland mm-hmm. doing a very like a hybrid scenario. But I will mention... Was
1: menchi- that the, the new one that Butch put out for playtesting? Yeah. Okay. I've seen that, but I haven't played it.
0: I'm going to re-rack it. I started it solo. And really, with the focus of that scenario, which is a small corridor, you're in the action right away. It's mm-hmm. It's really bloody from the get-go. I don't know if it can count as like, I don't think I've gotten the full Next War Poland experience, obviously, because I'm not even using the strategic map or anything like that. So I'll mention Next War Poland that I finally got it to the table. I had not played Poland before, and it, of course, looks great. I played on Vassal to get the scenario set up, but Next War Poland finally on the table, although I haven't really played Next War Poland, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, and if you guys are interested in that, you should join the Next War Discord server, because I think that's where Mitch has been posting all that stuff.
0: Yeah, totally. Uh, And I've got more than you, so I'll just just go again so we can... Sure. The other one I'll I'll real quickly mention, and this is, I mentioned, you know, checking out these smaller publishers. Have you followed anything from VUCA Simulations, V-U-C-A?
1: Yeah, I've heard of them.
0: Yeah, so they have just gorgeous games coming out, and a, a few of them just dropped this year. Donnerschlag, which is what I'm going to talk about. The Chase of the Bismarck just came out, which is kind of like a hide-and-seek with a screen between the players, like a blind game almost is my understanding. Yeah. And then the World War One game, 1914 Nosh Paris, also came out. So I played Donnerschlag. They all look great. And it's a pretty fun card-driven game. Actually, it's a very fun card-driven game. It has some issues, major translation issues. You can get over them. But, Rich, if I'm the Russians and I play a card and all the card <laughs> says is Panzer, what do you think that card means? So you're
1: playing the Russians and you play a card that says Panzer.
0: That's all it says.
1: Are, are the cards, is there a separate deck for Russians and Germans? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They share yep. a deck. So yep. it's a Russian card that says Panzer. Yep. Um, I'm going to say a, a Panzer unit broke down due to mechanical difficulties. No. You're supposed no.
0: to get a tank. The Russian player's supposed to get a tank. And it's like, th- there's no... The errata exists on the website, but I had to go find it on BGG. And, like, that's a pretty big translation <laughs> issue. Yeah. Like, it's not just, like, you're calling all tanks panzers. It's like, you're not even explaining what the card does. Yeah. <laughs> so, if you can work through those things, the really interesting thing about this game is the german player is trying to break out right so they're trying to get out of Stalingrad, Mm -hmm. and they're trying to link up and they have to yell donnerstag donnerstag and they designate an area they are trying to break out to but they only have a set number of turns to do that and then they have to link up within i think it's three turns Mm -hmm. and so it's kind of this bluffing game like the german you kind of have three fronts and so you're advancing on those fronts but you're not, you don't want to tip your hand too early to reveal where your main thrust out is going to be because obviously then the Russian player is going to focus there. But if you wait too long, you're going to run out of time.
1: Does, it, does the German player have to make a decision and commit or can they see how it goes and then decide?
0: You have uh, yes and no. Once you commit, you're committed. Okay. But you have, I think, the first four turns before you commit and and there's another like rule thing is like it it needs to come out and explicitly say by turn four the german player must cue donnerschlag mm-hmm. and it doesn't what it says is like well if they it's like implied that if they don't then they lose the game like it's too late and it's it's just kind of like weird things like that. But all of that said, it's it's light, but the card plays fun. Your kind of like tactics cards, for lack of a better term, aren't guaranteed to go off. And so there's a little bit of like, all right, I'm going to do this thing to really enhance my attack here. But it's not guaranteed to happen. And you can, But you can guarantee some cards. And so like you can guarantee the one card you really want to go off. But later on, you're not sure if you're going to get the next thing. So those two things I really like. The, the tactics cards and then the you declare where you're going to break out and you have to do it within this window. And it's kind of like this bluff and then it's a race to get out. it's I mean, it's, it's fun. It, it has its issues and it looks gorgeous. And so if you're not opposed to, you know, having BGG pulled up and doing some searches while you tackle this game, I recommend it. Mm-hmm. Um, I played on Vassal and i and i played solo and this is not a solo friendly game okay. at all.
1: Yeah. If not if it's got bluffing in it.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. But still so just going through the mechanics and that that idea of it. So this is something that i would like to play again and i would like to play it opposed. Even with the issues. It's really cool. Nice. I said that was going to be a short one, but it, you know it's unique enough that it, it's worth talking about. Plus, it's a new publisher, yeah. and again, it's you know something we don't always talk about.
1: Yeah, I've seen a lot of buzz just talking about that company lately, so it looks like they've got some interesting games.
0: Well, I mean, that 1914 Nosh Paris just looks fantastic. And I've heard, uh, well, you know, our buddy Toby has
1: mm-hmm.
0: been playing it, and I think he mentioned some translation issues as well, but otherwise, he's been very impressed with it. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. All right. I guess
1: I'll take one. Yeah. Um, I played some more Reds, Patrick and I. just We continued our game. Um, We've been playing off and on for a few months now. It's just like whenever we can find a, a night to play for a few hours. And we played actually a little bit longer this time. We probably played three maybe a little longer three hours maybe longer um but i think we've got like one long night ahead of us and we'll actually be able to finish the whole game so we're proceeding on um it's a fun game i'm enjoying it it's uh it's 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 very back and forth you know there's neither of us is in any way assured of victory or loss so um but i'm starting he's starting to turn the tide just because he gets so many reinforcements so um, but, you know, if you're playing a game against Russia, you have to assume that they are just never yeah. going to stop. So um, I'm enjoying it quite a bit. And hopefully, sometime in December, we'll, we'll be able to finish it up and I'll be able to provide a final report on it. So let's nice playing that one.
0: Yeah. Speaking of, of Patrick, we had a game night a couple of weeks ago and we started off with Flashpoint South China Sea. This is the uh, Harold Buchanan. Very light, card-driven game. Is this in the
1: the, the Lunchtime series? Yeah. Okay.
0: My my concern after playing this once was how much depth is actually present in this game. Do you just focus on this one strategy, and that's really the optimal strategy. And after another play, I'm starting to see, like, I think the depth is legitimate. I think um, there isn't just one dominant strategy. I think you have to consider all these different... Uh, options with how how to play your cards how to manipulate your cubes uh had a really really fun time with it and this was in the gmt sale and at at 20 bucks (laughs) that's that's a hell of a filler how similar is it
1: to fort sumter way different okay because i didn't like that game at all
0: way different you know red flag over paris is better fort sumter this is right this is completely uh, okay I guess I shouldn't say completely different, but it's more. I didn't even think of Fort Sumter when I played it, but now that you mention it, yeah, sure, I could see similarities, but that didn't even cross my mind you know, okay. in my first couple plays.
1: All right, because I knew they were both part of that sort of lunchtime battles or whatever it's called, but I didn't know if it was actually a series or if they're all just short games. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I think it's just all short games. Um, so I, you know, okay. what if you know if we're ever bored one night. And you can teach it, you know, at the drop of a hat. Or maybe I'll I'll throw it in a in the bag for Yeah or upcoming good. rendezvous.
1: <laughs> yeah, we need to schedule that. Well, we got one scheduled, I know. So I played Aerocort as well. Um, this one I actually got to play on the table, which was nice. We played at our St. Louis Historical Gaming Society Day at miniature Market a couple weeks ago. Um, and we actually had two, two different games going. We had Mitch and Bruce played on one table, and then I played with Todd on another table. So um, it's a, if you don't know about Aircourt, it's the latest in the BCS series uh, by MMP. And it's a, it's a one mapper. Um, and honestly, if you're if you're interested in BCS and you're just, you, you want a game to to feel out the system, Air is just perfect. I mean, it gets you right in the middle of the action. Everything's on one map. It's got, you know, it obviously doesn't have the grand scale of something like the last Burlitz Krieg or something, but um, you know, you can play a game easily in just a few hours um, and it's just fun. And one of the things I really like about it too, is the scenario setup. Um, it basically starts with the American trains getting jumped. So, which sounds bad, but if you're going to play BCS, jumping trains and jumping at headquarters is a big part of what you're trying to do, part of the strategy. So that that lets both players see, like, literally on the first turn, this is why you have to protect your headquarters. Hmm. This is why you have to protect your trains. So um, the Germans are almost always able to do that on the first turn, and then, you know, how do both sides respond to it? It's such a fun game, and I'll play it pretty much any time I get the chance.
0: Nice. Yeah. Should I just throw in the, like, ever present. I need to play more BCS here, or should I just wait till
1: <laughs> later because... Yeah, I mean add it to the list of things that you want to play more and it'll fit right in there.
0: Speaking of things I wanted to play more, Blind Swords, like yeah. There was some talk on the on the Discord about it and then I, was, I really wanted to get back to Blind Swords and so uh Patrick and I played a greater victory and this is South Mountain and the vassal module has some hoops to jump through um, and get it functioning right. But once you get it functioning right, it, it runs very smoothly. And so we had some hurdles in our stream of doing that. But once we were rolling, man, getting back to Blind Swords. And this map, um, so if you're unfamiliar Blind Swords, chit, chit Pull Game. Chit Pull Game with an added layer of even if you activate the unit you want to activate, you're not even certain what kind of activation they're going to get. Fantastic. Just so good. And the South Mountain terrain is horrendous.
1: Is this a Rick Barber map?
0: I know. No? I okay. think this is one of the... No. Okay. It's not. So this is fantastic. I think someone asked, yeah, because we started a poll on it, like what's the best Blind Swords game? I don't know if this is the best. Like I like Thunder and the Ozarks a lot. This has some different rules. There's Mm -hmm. no cav charges in this. And it's just I do like that they've now you know they have the series rules now and then you have this feels has what I'm trying to say is this has more flavor to feel like South Mountain. Like it has its own rules and customizations, taking out cavalry charges, that type of thing. So another just
1: in that series in general. I mean with all the different kinds of guns that you can have in that game there's a lot of customization based on just what what the guys were bringing to the battle. Sure, You know, these guys have shotguns. They can't shoot two hexes away. But if you let them get next to you, they're going to tear you up. You know, it's good stuff.
0: It's, it's great stuff. What I particularly like about this one is it's wide open. And, and specifically the scenario we're playing is the terrain sucks. Mm-hmm. And the Union has this rule where one core is below the turnpike and another core is above it. But other than that, there's quite a few different ways they can go. Yeah. Uh, you know, there are trails and stuff, so it's going to be a bit of a crawl. But there's lots of different areas to attack as the Union, which means there's a lot of holes to fill as the Confederates. And I like that wide openness of that scenario especially like i really like yeah. the options it's presenting me
1: yeah and that's why i like thunder at dawn so much thunder and the ozarks is is fun i enjoy it but you're pretty limited to how you come in and the game's sort of going to develop the same way thunder right. at dawn is a lot more wide open and in fact i think the the second sort of it's a historical but it's an optional scenario um it basically gives you free setup and you can attack any way you want which really oh, opens it up yeah
0: I really, I think we talked about it with our DIN 44, is just the idea of open setup. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, I should, oh, I have that. Duh. <laughs> That's, I got, yeah. Well, I need to play that. Awesome. Uh, okay, the last one I was saving, not necessarily, maybe the best for last, but one of the most anticipated for last and that is John Company second edition. Mm-hmm. Not not a war game, although it does have military actions. This is just a historical themed uh, negotiation euro game um and heavy heavy emphasis on the negotiation. And so what John Company is is you represent a family that is trying to benefit your family's gains by manipulating the East India trade company. And you do that by putting your family members in different positions. So they can be lowly clerks. They can be officers. They can be commanders. They can be governors. They can be in charge of trade. They can be in charge of all military actions. They can be in charge of the company. And each of those people I just listed will have a very specific set of actions they can carry out. And how you carry out those actions are either going to hurt or help the company and you can try to tank the east india trade company or you can try to make it float and buy all these shares but if it tanks and you hold a bunch of shares you're going to lose a bunch of points and there's just so much potential for negotiation like hey i'll make you commander here but i want i want you you know then i want you to do this in exchange Mm -hmm. and you have these cards like you can trade that are like future binding promises like all right you get my votes when Parliament votes if if you do this. And so, you know, it's been a while since we've talked about when we did our top five negotiation games, a lot of the games just hadn't played that many. I did not spend a lot of time with Dune. I hadn't played anything like this. Um, it, it does remind me of, of Pax Pamir where there's a lot of, well, shit, we can't let Rich be in charge of the company because <laughs> Rich is going to do this, everyone. And so there's a lot of that going on at the table. Oh man, it is fantastic. There's there's lots of little rules, but it's very procedural to learn. You get the big picture. Here's what we're trying to do. Here's how you get the points. Most points wins, and then you just say, "Okay, we're gonna start with this turn." Here's what this person does. It's so good. It looks gorgeous. The components are nice. Awesome. Yeah, I gotta play that. It's so good. Is, I play good with on Vassal live. You think? uh yeah i i mean yes okay. i wouldn't play this async you know right, i think not async yeah because
1: not enough interaction
0: right you know pax premier just loses so much async mm-hmm. because they're so less pointing out and don't do that that's gonna help rich yep um so you need that here but sure you could play this on vassal i think yeah cool. why not
1: yeah maybe we can play that uh together sometime maybe at kc next year
0: yeah oh yeah, oh. yeah yes yes this is this is phenomenal it cool. is everything i wanted it to be nice Who doggy That's all well, yeah is. i
1: would have ordered that one except part of the reason i wanted it was because i wanted pax Pamir and someone sold me their copy of pax premier so i didn't end up ordering john company but now i kind of wish i had just gotten them both
0: uh they do have copies available to purchase on Morley good store okay cool worth workshop at
1: miniature market I, I've seen I have seen Worly gig games there before really so it's possible yeah
0: okay I don't know if yeah I don't know if this is going to retailers or not yeah. um, but I did I did see a tweet from whirlly gig that they have copies on their store cool yeah man it's so good okay we have those are our games and we have no other games except the game we have and I'm a not new talk- game. I'm not talking about the war game game.
1: No. That's that's yesterday's news. And tomorrow's.
0: Talking about today's. Our featured game. That's chosen by Rich and I, not chosen by the patrons. This is a big (laughs) one. This one I'm I'm really excited about. And that's Second Fleet. Modern Naval Combat in the North Atlantic. We're going back in time, folks. 1986. I wasn't even born yet. Oh
1: gosh. You're such a baby. I was thirteen.
0: Thirteen and aboard the Lajala. <laughs> designed by Joseph Bolkowski, Published by Victory Games. And this is a hypothetical. You know, it's no, there's no real historical setting here other than it's the Russian Northern Fleet against the American Second Fleet and, you know, was assisting NATO forces uh, set in the North Atlantic. Uh, yeah. Primarily off the coast of Norway. And...
1: And there's a whole series of fleet games. There's, I mean, basically, if if you've got an ocean, there's a fleet game for it. So, but this one we selected specifically because it's the year of Finnish naval war gaming.
0: Yes, and there are three Finnish <laughs> hexes represented. <laughs> there, in, there's in, there's, in there's this no game.
1: bases or anything there, but you can fly over them if you want to.
0: <laughs> yes. Right. I don't even, do you, do, you, do you think there's even anything we need to mention with um, the setting? I, I don't. I mean, it's North Atlantic, uh, you know, 80s submarines and, and carriers, which is really cool. All, all the units, uh, most of the units have names on them. So, you know, yeah. it's the La Jolla or the La Jolla.
1: The, yeah. One of those two. One now, those I two. was actually on that boat. For a time in the uh, 90s, early 90s, I guess. Okay. We pronounced it La Jolla, but it it could be that we were wrong. And it is actually the the, the La Jolla. Well,
0: I think La Jolla is a boat and La Jolla is a ship.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. That's probably it. Yeah. Now, I I may put army planes on aircraft carriers in the (laughs) Korean War, but I can't let that
0: stand. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man.
1: No, I, I remember the La Jolla very fondly. She was, she was a nice boat. I enjoyed my time with her. So,
0: yeah, we had uh, we had Mitch in one of our streams the last <laughs> night's streams, and that was that was a resource because of course Mitch knows that the NWP NWS is the
1: Newport News.
0: It is the Newport yeah. News. Yeah,
1: it's kind of funny because all the counters. So there, there actually is a key in the book. Yeah. That lists what every ship actually is, but all the counters have just like a, a string of of letters on them, and you have to kind of play Wheel of Fortune to figure out what the ship actually is.
0: Yeah, so I before we dive into Second Fleet, I want to go back to your earlier comment. There, are, This is a series of games. So Second Fleet, North Atlantic, you have Third Fleet, which is Caribbean, Atlantic Ocean, and, and some of the Pacific I haven't done anything with 3rd Fleet. 6th Fleet
1: is the Med, because I've got that yep. one
0: too. 5th Fleet is Indian Ocean, and then 7th Fleet, which is the other one I've played, is Far East. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there's a Fleet series, and they share a lot of similarities, but they're not necessarily the same. As a matter of fact, 2nd Fleet uses a D10, 6th Fleet uses a D6, and I think some, maybe 7th Fleet, uses a 2D6. Whatever it is, there is differences. Which obviously, two D six is on a curve, and D ten is not. There's also game specific rules. Second fleet has uh, fjords. You can go down and, and go through all the minor differences, but generally speaking, they share a lot of similarities. Um, but as Jason pointed out, there may be you may have one ship in second fleet that has slightly different numbers than seventh fleet because of the different dice mechanics so hmm, just because you know second fleet there might be some changes if you jump over to another one yeah with that out of the way let's talk second fleet
1: yeah so um I guess my initial thought so I had known that these games were a thing I mean I'm I'm an old sailor I've have heard of these games and thought it'd be cool to play them one day um, and haven't played them at all until this year. But before I knew anything about these games, I guess I imagined that they were a lot more heavy than this one actually was. I was, and that's not a knock against it. I was sort of pleasantly surprised that the game is, is not super complicated.
2: No, I mean, there are
1: there are things about it that you have to keep looking up. Like the counters are very dense. Um, they've got, I don't know. Probably some of them might have ten different numbers and notations on a single counter, so you have to look up and see. You know, oh, that's the close anti-air. That's the area anti-air. That's the anti-sub defense. That's the surface-to-surface missile. So there's a lot on there. Um, but honestly, the the actual gameplay itself is not complicated at heart. Com- combat, you there's slight differences in the different types of combat, but some of them, like I think anti-submarine combat, is just straight die roll. N- nothing at all, you know, and damaging ships, you know, if you do more than half damage, you damage, it, you flip them. And if you do more than their full defense, you destroy them. So I was actually sort of pleasantly surprised at how light the game is just because um, I, you know, this is a game that I can play with my wife or daughter and, and have a lot of fun with it. Now that said, if you want to play the advanced game, the, the full scenario then it's going to get a lot more complicated mostly just because of scale. You're going to have free setup basically. You're going to have, you know, reinforcements coming in. There's a lot of optional rules that you can use, but if you play not even just the basic game, but even like up to the intermediary game which doesn't add that much more to it, it's not that deep up. Not that complicated a game really.
0: Yeah, I agree 100%. Even the advanced rules outside the optional stuff, mm-hmm. I think it's like four or five new things. And yeah. some of those things are like darkness. Bomb-
1: and bombing mm-hmm. airfields and stuff like that.
0: Well, that's an intermediate.
1: The intermediate, that's right, that's right, yeah.
0: And so it's got like reinforcements and invasions and, and these other things. But the rules are actually, are super well written yep. for, not that rules weren't written well in the 80s, but, you know, it's a... 36 year old game at this point um and so everything's very digestible and i I agree when i so i pulled out the second fleet rules and started pushing around solo it had been two years it was the month before COVID started that i played seventh fleet and i had completely forgotten like oh yeah this is all this makes total sense there is a little bit of confusion with how each of the different attacks operate, but they're so procedural right. that you just know that, okay, if I want to attack a a surface ship with my surface ship, you just need to know that's gonna be an SSM and then and then you take those attack steps step by step. And I know right. we kinda of like just jumped into some of the details, but I agree this is not a there is a lot of rule, but this is just another example of there is nothing overly complex here. Maybe if you want to start talking about tracking logistics. Yeah, I did but, not
1: do that, but I would love to sometimes. I'd absolutely. love to play the advanced game, full scenario, track logistics. I want to track every cruise missile, every fuel point. I think that would be fun, but it's not something I was doing
0: this month. <laughs> yeah. One Before we dive into too much more detail, I want to, like, the characteristic of this game is every day is broken up into phases. So three Mm -hmm. turns make up a day. And during those days, you're going to do different things. You'll have a strategic air phase in the morning, which lets you carry out big air missions, detection, interception, attack role modifiers, those types of things, aerial Mm -hmm. mining. If you're playing advanced rules after strategic air phase, there's like combat air patrol phase, those types of things. But really where the game is, I think really shines and just adds another like nuance level of complexity is you get in the activation phases and so rich rolls and he gets an odd and so he's activating his russians rich will then pick to either activate all of his subs all of his surface or all of his air and then it passes back to me and i pick one of those
1: Yeah, and you don't have to pick the same one.
0: I don't have to pick the same one. And then it comes, we roll again, and now maybe I get another activation because it's an even, and then I can pick one of the two that I didn't pick before. So each Mm -hmm. turn has these three phases where you're doing only your subs, only your surface, only your air.
1: Yep, and you can even, like, say, you know, I activate my subs first on the second activation. uh, For whatever reason, I may want to pass and not do either one. You know, maybe I don't have many air to do and I'm not ready to do my surface units yet because I want you to come into range, something like that. Um, I'm going to get three different picks and I can do them in any order I want.
0: Yeah, and it just adds a layer of, you know, on its face that's pretty clear, you know, well, you're going to pick the thing that gives you the most advantage. But then there's like layers of nuance where, okay, I want to, and this came up last night, I want to activate my surface units last because they're still in a task force. But when they come around to activate, they're going to lose their task force marker because the ship got sunk. Right. And they're going to lose their defensive uh, defensive die modifier. Mm-hmm. And so even little things like that, like I'm not activating my service until the last possible chance. So if you want to, you better do your air because you're going to come in and bomb them. Because there's a very good chance that you're saving your air to come after my surface units. And my surface units may be the last thing to go. Just little things like that. Just really, they come through and shine as you play. And that activation system, is it's just brilliant. I really like it.
1: Yeah. The other thing that I thought was cool is, um, so there's three phases to every turn. There, well, there's it, three turns, I guess you would call it, in every day. Right. So let's say that. And there's two day turns and a night turn. But depending on the time of the year, they might all be light or I think in the, you might have two darkness turns or all darkness turns. Mm-hmm. So if you're playing in the middle of the winter, it the sun's never going to come up when they're that far north. So um, yeah, it's, it's kind of cool because you have different day and different light. And there are special night rules that even if it's light during the nighttime, you do certain things in the advanced game. Um, but there are light and dark rules as well, depending on what time of the year you're playing.
0: Yeah there's there's night turns and then there's night turns and you have to understand the difference that night doesn't mean night of course and i'm sure that's that's clear as pitch black night
2: yeah
0: yeah i think and i think another you know while we're talking like defining characteristics another one of course i think is detection which i think when i talked to you about seventh fleet we talked about you know so long ago we talked about detection and that's And I think you said at the time, that's an important thing for you in fleet games is this idea of detection, meaning you're not able to act against enemy units. Right. Unless you know where they're at, because it turns out that the ocean is pretty big.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you've got, like you said, there's a strategic air phase that's once per day where you can send out your reconnaissance planes and try to detect enemy units. So if they're on the surface, they're super easy to detect them. You just have to basically spend a plane to do it. Um, if they're submarines, you have to spend a plane and then roll and hope to detect them. Um, and if you can do that during the strategic care phase, it lasts all three turns that day, which is nice.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: then anyone that doesn't get detected, you can have, it can happen during movement and action and things like that. So if you move up next to somebody, Um, Obviously, if it's a surface unit, you just got to get close to them and you'll be able to detect them. Submarines, it actually depends on how good your anti-submarine skills are. So if you send a a ship up to them that has no anti-submarine warfare capability, it will not detect that submarine. Um, so there's nothing you can do about it. you have to you have to use the right kind of ships and move them in the right place and time. And that's where you really get into the strategy of the game I found. Um, I was unfortunately was not able to play this against anyone, so I just played a bunch of scenarios solitaire. Um, but a big part of the game is knowing which units to activate in which order so that you can get the jump on the enemy because it's a lot about maneuver and you know you ideally you want them to move, into your attack range, so that you can jump up and attack them on your turn. Just because real quick, it's a pretty deadly game. I mean, you're going to sink a lot of ships in this game.
0: Yeah, our uh, when on our opposed games, our our first enemy interme- intermediate game didn't have a ton of casualties, but we're through one day in this next one, and I'm losing things left and right.
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of ships. If you, if you roll, if you roll well, you're going to sink a lot of ships with one hit. And, I mean, all except for the biggest ships, are, you're going to at least damage. So, I mean, you can you can roll poorly and not damage a bunch of ships sure. even when you send in a bunch of bombers or whatever. That's going to happen. But um, for the most part, you're going to sink a lot of ships in this game.
0: Yeah. I, just one quick on the maneuver point is a great thing about this game too is learning how to utilize, and I'm not great at this, the move, fire, and move. You can move. You can fire, and you can get the hell out of there. Yeah, yeah. Which is great.
1: And you can do a couple different attacks depending on what yeah. ship you get. You just can't do it two of the same kind. So
0: Right. So you could attack a surface unit, and if a sub's nearby, wow, and I like we didn't utilize that near as much as we should have and we could have. Um, you can attack a surface unit, and then you can attack the subs. Yep. The one, you know, you talk about maneuver, there's also this stack maneuvering, which is pretty interesting, too. So let's say this doesn't apply to every type of attack. There's five different types of attack in the game, and they each have their own very step-by-step process. Um, And I don't think we need to go into the detail of them, but most of them have this concept of anti-air and local anti-air. And your order of your stack of ships or boats is kind of sets the defensive value so rich targets this specific ship after I lock my stack origin in place that ship will then factor in all the anti-air in the stack and then also its local anti-air and the ship immediately below it so there's this there's also this or I, I keep saying local it's close um, there's there's this level of not only maneuvering your ships across the map and everything, but also maneuvering your stacks, manipulating your stacks to try to like.
1: Yeah. And you can change your stacks. Like as soon as I say I'm attacking this stack, you get to reorganize it however you want before I select specific targets.
0: And it's very important that you point as designated by the rules point (laughs) at the stack. (laughs) There's so much pointing in the rules.
1: Yeah. But it does make a difference because you know, you know I mean obviously you're often going to pr- want to protect the most valuable ships you got to protect the carrier right um, but you know if, if you know you've got a bunch of air maybe you take out his defenses first and you come after him the next turn so but carriers have additional defenses like combat air patrol and things like that as well
0: sure sure um, what else are you thinking in terms of like I, I think there's several things that make fleet fleets. And I, I want to make sure we didn't so, miss any of those.
1: So one thing that I thought you sort of briefly mentioned on it, but um, I haven't played the other games. But in this game, you can actually use terrain to your advantage. So you can you can hug the fjords to give you actually some sometimes defenses and sometimes negatives. Uh, submarines can if you play the advanced uh, rules, they can they can actually go deep. But not everywhere because there are mountains underneath the water as well, and there are certain areas you can't go deep through. So, um, yeah, it it's not something you usually think about in a naval game, but this game has terrain advantages.
0: Sure, yeah, and you know that's it was different in Seventh Fleet for sure. But you know, on one half of Seventh Fleet, you're in the middle of the ocean, and there's no there's no terrain right I mean it's mm-hmm. just wide open ocean but then once you get around Japan like there's these bottlenecks and you know ships coming in and out and obviously like if you're trying to escort some merchant ships through the Straits whatever those straits are called um, like there's gonna be a line of subs that you're not making it through without getting detected and having some torpedoes shot at you yeah um, and there's there's some of that here on the bottom.
1: You know, the you've got Map. the sources which is the, the string of sonar buoys used to detect enemy su- enemy submarines right but on most of the scenarios you never go that far south
0: yeah right I didn't play the advanced scenarios which when we played seventh fleet and this is a little off track but we whatever scenario we played and I don't remember what it was we used everything and a lot of the action was so far away from Japan I actually really like that. Uh, a comment I had last night in the intermediate scenarios and of course the basic scenarios um, which the basic scenarios get you the only new intermediate rule is attacking air bases. Like right. That's that's it. What it does is it introduces all of the units at the same time um, whereas the basic rules maybe you'll just have second fleet or, or surface fleets. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, in seventh fleet it's wide open and here in second fleet with these intermediate scenarios you're in it and at each other's throats right away. I like this like vast open closing down on each other with like the whole map. Who knows where you're going? I I do like that. I this second fleet does feel a little more claustrophobic, but it's not a bad thing.
1: Yeah. So there's five basic scenarios and four intermediate scenarios. There's one advanced scenario, but the advanced scenario is that's the one i was talking about it's free setup it's it's the entire war that's the advanced scenario so but the thing is with the intermediate scenarios i'm looking at them and most of them are only like six turns or so yeah i think there's so
0: two sixes and two nines i think
1: yeah so it's it's pretty easy to play this game in an evening
0: oh yeah we
1: which again it goes to what i was saying before for for whatever reason before i really knew anything about this game i thought it was a lot more complicated than it is
0: Sure. Yeah. I. You this know. If a very we really, playable game. if we really wanted to clip along, we we could have knocked it out in a night. Yeah. But we played for an hour and a half last night and got halfway through. Uh, on our, on intermediate scenario too. Yep. Generally speaking, how you win and lose this game is going to be taking out targets. Obviously, <laughs> so you get points for sinking certain things. Specific targets. It, yeah. <laughs> sinking. So, it, It's interesting,
1: though. That's actually one of the little sort of things that I like about this is the way the scenarios are written. Um, So they're written like it's a historical Uh military brief or something like that. And like the first time I played, actually, even on the very first scenario, I actually went into my rule book and I, I was like highlighting, okay, wait. So the U.S.'s orders are to do this. It, it And then at the end of the scenario, then it comes down and says, you get victory points for doing this, this and this. But it's cool because it reads like this is the situation. You know, this is what each side is trying to accomplish. But it doesn't it doesn't come right out and say, you know, your your goal is to sink more ships than the other guy. It reads like uh, a, a situation report, which I thought was cool.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, um, so like in one scenario we had to take up bases for more points and, and mm-hmm. carriers here. And you're right, there's all this background information and then it's like, okay, the Russians win by accumulating this many points.
1: Yeah, there's one the Russians win if they get all their boomers to the ice pack.
0: Yeah, that's the that's the one we're playing now, that one's okay. fun. I'm just getting s- slaughtered, <laughs> but my my two groups of uh, service units are are closing in, so we'll see. it's outstanding i want to talk about some negatives sure um it shows its age in one really particular way so first off gorgeous map and the counters are like straight out of the 80s but they still look (laughs) great because they have the silhouettes of all the units they smell
1: like they're 40 years old but that's fine
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah right for sure the one thing that kind of I don't like about this game is the strategic air commitment. So I'm going to pick up a unit in Norway, and I'm going to place him in the Barents Sea zone
1: mm-hmm. <coughs> So me. do you not like the, uh, like the little display of the way it's marked?
0: Yeah. I don't like, let's say I send something from the Barents Sea zone To intercept in the Barents Sea Zone. And then Mm -hmm. I pick up a recon plane from the Norwegian Sea Zone to run recon in the Barents Sea Zone. There's no. Once they're both committed, let's say I have a recon in both. I have recon in Barents Sea, recon in Norwegian. They go to the same box. Right. And they're there for three turns. And so it's really easy to forget, like, oh shit. So aren't you
1: supposed to rotate them to show where they're supposed to to? come from? But you can't do that in Vassal. (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, but you can give them labels and, and yeah, say where they come true. from. But when we played in person, it's... There's got to be a better display option that someone yeah. should come up with. Absolutely. Where, or, in we use like, the clear markers. Because then I want to know what airfield they came from, too. Like, sure. technically it doesn't matter. They can go back to wherever they want. Unless they're on a, a carrier. They have to go right. back to the carrier. Um, it's just... the the worst thing about the game. And it's not that big a deal. It doesn't break the game, but it's always like, oh, where did this plane come from? Because you start that and then two hours later, you come back to him and it's like, yeah. Oh
1: yeah. So when I was playing on, well, actually I did this on Vassal as well as when I was playing on the table, but I ended up, st- I, I stopped using the, uh, the, the strategic air displays, because it was just me, and I was like, you know what? This guy's doing recon in this zone. I'm putting him in this zone. Mm. And then I said, these guys are doing interceptions, so I put them off to the side next to each other and stuff like that. I ended up not using that display because I didn't find it that helpful.
0: Yeah, I mean, I it, it does work. Like, there are, you're right, there's boxes to say which zones they come mm-hmm. from. Great. It's just, it's not the cleanest. And that's probably a, a minor gripe. As well as the rules are written, I think there's there's so many... Oh, there's really not that even many there are minor case rules and i stumbled with this a lot is what's the significance of aew and what's the significance of ew yeah and i know now do you know
1: uh well ew is electronic warfare and aew used you add to a cap to make them more effective right
0: yeah so aew good for your cap yeah. Um. Like you can you can intercept with your cap sooner without taking penalties, unless you're using the like yeah the little helicopters. And, EW, and I think that's
1: also one of the advantages the Americans have over the Russians because I don't think the Russians will have those on the carriers, at least from what little I've seen. But the Americans do.
0: Sure. Aew. Nope. I'm wrong. Ew is good for SSM. So if you go bomb a base, it provides a negative die roll to uh, modifier to the defense roll and it's this is present in every war game and this is 36 years old so i'm really grasping for gripes right but there are things like that where it's like what's what's the deal with that and you just got to go look it up i mean that happens every war game though
1: yeah and there there were also times and and this is just learning the game but you know you pick up a plane counter and you're like, oh, this is an attack plane. I want." And then you're like, I'm going to use him for this later in the turn. You get halfway through the turn. You're like, wait, he has a bombing value of zero. Why is right. he an attack plane? And what am I going to do with him now? So, yeah, there's stuff like that in there as well.
0: Yeah, my best... When I bought my copy of Second Fleet, they included copies of page five of the rules, which is the units and the abbreviations. Oh, yeah. Not, not the unit names, but, like, NAAs, Amphibious Assault, those types of abbreviations. Right, right. I am still referencing that sheet every time I play. There, there, the counters, everything's on the counter, which is great, but that means everything's on the counter. Right.
1: Yeah, The very busy counters.
0: One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different numbers. <laughs> yeah. And they're small. Yep. And do you have any gripes?
2: Uh,
1: Other gripes? I I I don't know that it's a gripe. I I will say that because of the dice rolling and the activations and how deadly it is, it can get very swingy sometimes. So once the forces start getting in contact with each other, um, you can find like two or three of your submarines gone before you had a chance to do anything at all and that can be frustrating because attacking um is basically one way it's not like the submarines are going to now when you do air fights you can either side can lose steps but i think all like the surface and sub stuff it's just the attacker that's going to get to do all the all the hitting so that can get frustrating
0: the one exception is bombing yeah, yeah. You, that's could, the one, you yeah. could take some hits on bombing, but yeah, you're right, right. like on SSM and yep. torpedoes, yep.
1: So that can get frustrating, but you know, that's that's part of the game. That's that's dice rolling and random events. But it it is frustrating when you can lose a bunch of units and there's nothing you could have done about it.
0: You know, it makes me want to go, and I, I honestly can't remember now if Seventh Fleet was two D6 or not, but it does make me want to if there is a two d six one, if I'm not wrong about that, it does make me want to explore it because when you are in a d ten, there's no curve, so you've same odds for a one as you do a seven as you do a nine. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of modifiers here. Yeah, you have some defensive modifiers for being in a task force or fjord, or some attack modifiers for attacking things, but not having a surface unit present to you know guide in the the attack um very minor die roll modifiers there's just not a lot of factor in and so your die roll is pretty i'm sure that's factored into the the combat results like you can roll a, a one and still inflict some damage right um but i do get what you're saying yeah. i think that's just a natural uh like uh that's an outcome of having the flat curve and you yeah. know modifiers
1: and i think that's also just that's what this game is like i said right i think it's the third time i've said it now the game is not as complicated as i thought it would be <laughs> so part of be not being as complicated is it's a quick playing game and ships go to the bottom faster
0: yeah we, So, yeah i mean in six turns if you're going to play an intermediate scenario and you're going to play six turns you want ships to go down in six turns yeah you don't want to set up the game and play for three hours and then yeah. walk out and be like, well, I, I hit your ship with one, and I yeah, guess we're I done. I hit that
1: boomer four times, and he still made it to the ice pack. What the hell? <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. well, good. So I, I do want to play this game, the the advanced rules, full campaign mode sometime. I might... Um, it won't be this month because we're going to be setting up Pacific War, but maybe come January I'll put this back on my table, and it's probably going to be solo. I don't think I'll have anyone to do that with me, but I, I just want to, I want to see how it plays out with everything.
0: You know, in our secret rendezvous coming up in February, <laughs> when we did, and I've talked about this, when we did Seventh Fleet, we had joint commands. Yeah. You could do that. Like, you I don't know if I'd use Second Fleet for it, just because like the Russians are all pouring out of the same dock right, Dark, right? Yeah. i mean they're all coming from the Barents Sea zone I'll just throw it out there joint yeah. command advanced, or even if you, seventh fleet or something
1: and i know there's gonna be four of us not three but if you had three players um a lot of the times there's a u.s fleet and then a multinational yep. fleet uh-huh. so you could do it that way too
0: sure 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 good uh let's talk if you have nothing else about recommended reading which i don't have any
1: yeah, well, I, I had one that seemed obvious to me, and that was Red Storm Rising. So, sure. I mean, this game evoked that for me. In fact, there's even, it's not in the rule book, but it's on the Vassal module. It was published in a magazine. There's a scenario that is directly from Red Storm Rising. So. That's so, awesome. Yeah, there's a chapter in Red Storm Rising called, I think, Flight of the Vampires or something like that. And that's the name of the scenario where basically you send a bunch of those old Russian propeller bombers and shoot a million cruise missiles at a U.S. fleet and see how many you can sink. So um, yeah, Red Storm Rising starts with uh, a lot of fighting in in this area. You know, the Russians, I'm going to spoil an old book for you, but um, start by taking Iceland basically. And there's a lot of fighting around Iceland and in these seas. So that's the one I thought of immediately.
0: Nice. Well, we did have, we don't normally do this, but we had a listener question that lines up nicely here yeah and that is what is a good cocktail pairing for the north atlantic theater
1: Mm. vodka maybe i guess it depends on which side you're playing
0: (laughs) right my thought was okay you take the sink pack right okay which you need to change to the sink at at -at scattle
1: so sink pack is, it's bourbon and rum. Right. You want to go like bourbon and vodka?
0: <laughs> no, I had two I had two modifications here. Okay. One is when you boil your sugar cube, you just make it extra hot. Okay. Or maybe you don't serve it with ice because it's cold. My other option was you put a drop of pickled herring juice in <laughs> with your sink pack to make it a, a sink-addle.
1: Yeah. I think you Would gotta it, take the rum out though, because rum is like yeah, a nice right. drink. So maybe, uh, hmm, we'll have to think on that one.
0: Well, you could do scotch, right? I mean, Scotland sure. is represented. Yeah. Everyone talks about the Rob Roy. That's the obvious, boring choice. Sure, Rob Roy. Okay, yeah, yeah, Scotland's on the map. So maybe you leave in the rum, and you take out the bourbon and put in scotch.
1: Yeah, we'll have to think on that.
0: Okay, well there you go, folks. I'm not drinking so, pickled herring juice. Though. Okay fine well (laughs) when i think scandinavia
1: yeah i know my heart
0: beats a little faster i get a little happier but i also think pickled herring awesome any other closing comments or is it time
1: no i think it's time
0: folks we have a list a list of every war game ever made ranked from best to worst
1: there is a list
0: there is a list Now, Rich and I are merely the sculptors, the shapers. We're merely the ones that stick our hands out and let the the clay find its own shape. And we do this by taking Second Fleet and comparing it against all the other games and find a nice little spot for it here on our list. You think a game
1: already knows where it lives and it's just waiting for us to meet uh up there? Yeah.
0: We're like... Carrot farmers, <laughs> and we walk out into the field of Second Fleet carrots and we yank one up and we say, Look at there, this one's tagged number 600. Just kidding, Second Fleet's way higher than 600,
1: it's higher than 55. You know that,
0: that's for sure. So, yeah, we're one through 55 right now. This will be 56. Uh, I know where it's at for me very clearly Do due you? to a certain list we had to submit, meaning this cracked mine.
1: Okay, interesting.
0: So I have um, a floor, and I don't know if you'll agree with it. I could throw it out there.
1: Okay, go ahead and throw the floor out there.
0: I have it above Nevsky.
1: Ooh, okay. I mean, I, I think I was in that area, but I wasn't sure that would be the floor. You have it above Nevsky. Interesting. Okay.
0: Yeah, and then I kind of waffled on this thing where it's above Stalingrad, but below Diem which is hmm. a logical fallacy with the list.
1: Yeah. And, I, yeah, I, I need to play Stalingrad because, yeah, see, I would say, I, I would put it below Empire of the Sun.
0: But above the Bim and here I stand?
1: I don't know, but I, I wouldn't <laughs> put it above Empire of the Sun, so.
0: Oh, you, oh, you're just saying below Empire of the Sun. Yeah, oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Higher, you didn't mean directly A higher
1: below. number, yeah, not a higher ranking, yes.
0: Okay, well, I mean, I don't know if I put it above D M Bim Who? So, I mean, that... Yeah, that so
1: 12 is Dien Bien Phu. Right. is Korea, which we just reviewed, and 14 is Nevsky. And just to sort of round that out, 15 is Next War Vietnam. I would definitely have it above Next War Vietnam. Yeah. <sighs> Korea,
0: Nevsky. Yeah, not uh, the more I think about it, not above Dien Bien Phu.
1: Yeah, I don't think I would argue with it being higher than Nevsky. Okay. I'm not sure about Korea, but I'm not sold on. The, I am sure about the NBNFU, so I think we're looking at either 13 or 14 here. And I think, so this is another one where it's just it's 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 got a very high fun factor and good decisions as well. Yes, it's got a few, it's got a few issues, but they're they're minor. Oh,
0: super minor. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. And honestly, if and this has nothing to do with the game itself. If this one had a modern vassal module, it would make it 10 times better.
0: Oh, yeah. If someone really put some love into it with yeah. some automization. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So
1: really, it comes down to what's better, Korea, the Forgotten War, or Second Fleet?
0: Yeah, that's that's, that's really tough.
1: I think this is one of the toughest calls we've made.
0: Yeah, we're really splitting hairs here. Yeah.
1: You like it at 13? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with it. I, I I it's 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 too close to argue over one spot, but I won't argue with it making it better than Korea. I would argue if you wanted to go higher than D'N Binfu.
0: So we're saying above Korea the forgotten war. Yeah. I'll I'll go with that. I'm I'm comfortable with that. I'll say that both are once Paul and I finish our campaign game of Korea in about 30 years and <laughs> we do that advanced with yeah. all the rules of second fleet we'll revisit it but for now as it stands I'm, I'm good with this
1: yes that's 13 and 14 two months in a row that's right nice that's actually it was 13 two months in a row now that i think of it
0: <laughs> right right so that's 56 games how many games to go
1: well we can either do 56 more or we can stop when we both have played every game that we own and I didn't buy any new mo- games this month, so that's all on you.
0: <sighs> yeah, I added two more plus the GMT sales. <laughs> uh, it's just never ends. Uh, yeah, folks. So our list is growing, and if you want to get involved in our list, normally you can do so by voting. Now we pre-picked November and December, so we haven't been doing any voting. Next month, Pacific War, we've talked about it, but in January we'll be back, and you can vote by becoming a Patreon at patreoncom slash table. We put up a whole bunch of games, and you get to vote, and whatever everyone votes on is what we review. Plus, we have some listener picks coming up. I have the hiccups. It's terrible. So, yeah, I think what the one thing I was getting to... herring juice. I think so. I was alluding to (laughs) earlier is Fleet (laughs) is being reprinted, but it's being reprinted by Compass, and... Although I've been reading some new compass rules, considering a few things. My concern is, so they're doing fifth fleet and I believe it's fifth fleet, but they're doing the designer Indian Indian Ocean. ocean. Okay. They're doing the designer edition thing again. And my problem with that is I was really turned off by the designer edition of Korea which was also a Picalkski game. Sure. And so I'm very reluctant and nervous to see what kind of treatment this get, gets because and I know some people are a fan of them, but I just I just don't know. I uh, this It won't be a pre-order for me, but it's worth keeping your eye on, I guess, if you're a Fleet fan or if you're interested in it and don't want to track down the old ones, which are totally worth it, especially Second Fleet, which is not, you shouldn't, you should be able to get that very affordably. Uh, Yeah, so Fleet Designer Series from Compass Games. We'll see what it looks like. Interesting. Yeah, cool. very interesting. All right, we have another list. This is a completely different list, though, folks. It's way different.
1: This is going to be fun.
0: Alright, so, over the last couple months on our Discord server, we ran a poll where everyone could submit their top 20 games of all time, and we used Ranked Choice Voting, so if you rank something number 1, it got 20 points, and if you rank something number 20, it got 1 point, so simple enough. Ranked Choice Voting, um, we had 36. 36 listeners submit their list, and real quick before we get into the results that amounted to 381 unique games which provided for a lot of crossover that's good um yeah anyways let's get to it so how this is gonna work rich and i talked beforehand instead of the war game game we're playing the hot hot 20 game <laughs> <Or
1: something. laughs> uh
0: so how hard do you want your clues rich
1: well let's start off easier and get harder because I'll have more information as I get to the, uh, the bottom as well.
0: Okay. Uh, so I will let you know that this list w- votes were not limited to war games. So train games, right. Euro games, card games, whatever, everything was open for consideration except miniatures and RPGs. Number 20 was a two way tie. So I'll give Ooh, you the nice. first one, which, um, appeared on less lists. Okay. The clue here is, I should have thought of these. The clue here is, oh man, these are going to be so lame. The clue here is you should be hungry when you get ready to play this game. I don't know. Funche Magnet. No. Ugh. You've played this. And uh, you like it. There was a streak a feast where- feast for Odin. Yeah, feast for Odin. Okay. Pretty lame clue. Yeah, They'll get That's better. All
1: right. It's not Hungry Angry Hippos either.
0: Yeah, (laughs) number 20, A Feast for Odin. Okay. Uh, Yeah, if you're unfamiliar with Feast for Odin, it's an Uwe Rosenberg worker placement game. You send out your Vikings to numerous tasks. There's so many options in this game. I'm glad to see this on the list. I think it's one of my, uh, I know it's one of my favorite Uwe Rosenberg games. I just love the, there's a million different things you can go do and they all feel like you're accomplishing something whether you are or not.
1: Yeah, and there's lots of different strategies you can try and, and, Even if you don't win, you're like, ah, I did something different that game. I focused on breeding animals or whatever. It was fun.
0: Okay. The next number 20, which appeared on more lists than Feast for Odin, uh, recently celebrated its 500th anniversary.
1: Uh, I'm guessing it'd be Here I Stand. That's right. All right. Yeah. I'm surprised that's that low.
0: Same here. Here I Stand is ideally a six-player game with six different factions that all play a little bit differently actually some are way different than the others um, so they're all asymmetric and you're vying for your faction uh, during the reformation to score the most victory points through combat or religious conversion or exploration uh, Yep. Yeah. lots
1: of stuff building fancy castles
0: you play cards you negotiate and you as Rich has said have one of the best days of gaming you can have because it's that good absolutely okay number 18 set in mexico
1: hmm pax perferiana
0: nice yes all right i have not played this you have
1: oh yeah yeah lots of times it's good um if you played pax premier it would at least look familiar to you it's different setting and there are some different mechanics um but yeah it's 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 essentially a game about it's a tableau building game where you're trying to at the right moment in time, uh, overthrow the president of Mexico and take his power for yourself. Uh, good backstabbing slash negotiation game.
0: All right. Number 17, you better feed your family.
1: Ooh, Agricola. Yes. Nice.
0: 62 points showing up on five lists. Yeah. Uh, Agricola. It's a, more worker t- placement.
1: I would, t- I would take Caverna over Agricola any day, but I, I get the appeal.
0: I'm having fun with our Caverna plays Agricola, Uwe Rosenberg worker placement. Here the deal is the card play is one of the most important aspects. It shapes your strategy for the game. You draft a hand of cards from two decks, and those cards guide your actions as you take actions to gather clay and wood and build huts and get animals and plant fields. And then it's probably, I think certainly is the toughest in terms of having to feed your family oh, it's yeah. much harder it is
1: not a forgiving game
0: no okay number 16 is going to make john r happy and it's our only ancients game
1: Hmm. what would be the highest ranking ancients game successors
0: oh no no nope. no no commands and colors ancients
1: oh cnc ancients okay yeah that
0: makes sense yeah uh commands and colors is the block um i, I I don't even, card-driven, but not in the sense of capital card-driven. You play a deck of, you play from a hand of cards and you activate your troops based off wings mm-hmm. uh, and flanks and you activate a certain number of them. It's very light. Uh, you chuck dice and have a lot of fun and commands in colors, ancients is pretty awesome. Yeah. Okay, number 15. This is an entry in one of the finest... Civil War series ever made.
1: Ooh, an entry. Um, yeah. Let's go Roads to Gettysburg.
0: No. No? Stonewall Jackson's Way 2.
1: Oh, okay. Yep. Uh, hopefully that means Roads to Gettysburg is even higher. But I'm not final. sure how you're dealing with series games, so. <laughs>
0: so series games were not combined. It is worth okay. noting. That's a good point. And things like Pax Premier, which has Pax Premier 1st edition, Pax Premier 2nd edition, those were combined. And things like next war vietnam or next war taiwan those were not combined make sense yep got it all right number 14 this is the only game on this list based off a separate ip and it's a popular ip a very popular ip hmm. dune no good guess war of the ring
1: oh okay you know i've seen that one played i've never actually gotten to play it
0: it's on my short list yeah. i hope very much be playing that one soon all right cool. number 13 this is one of your favorite games, but probably not your favorite. That's my clue. That's your clue. Like it's <laughs> it's in your top two or three.
1: Um, Twilight Imperium.
0: No, no. Red Storm is it still up there? No, oh.
1: yeah, I don't. Yeah, might okay. not be top. Not top two. Oh, f- yeah, it's it's definitely up there. Yes, great, great game. Nice. In fact, I've been wanting to play that Morse because I think it's Joel Toppin's been posting pictures on Facebook and playing it. It's making me jealous.
0: So. I'm, I'm jealous of lots of things that Joel Toppin is able to play as frequently as he does Son of a gun Alright, number 12, just edging out Red Storm by one point uh, This is a Euro game where if you bump into your neighbor you go to war Gosh
2: Oh.
1: Hmm.
0: I didn't play this till this year it's, it's fantastic It's an oldie
1: I don't know, I don't even have a guess for that one
0: Tigris and Euphrates
1: Oh, you know what? I did play that on... BGA. BGA, I guess. Yeah, I did not really get it.
0: Yeah, so this is a... <laughs> there was if...
1: lots of, like, making blocks out of temples and things, and you had to, like, put your, your lion guy and your dragon guy or whatever, but no. <laughs> so
0: you put your blue leader down, yeah. for lack of better better word, and blue represents something. But as blue tiles are placed in that district, you get points. If that district collides with another district and there's a blue leader in one district and there's another term other than district, but blue leader in district one and there's blue leader in district two, those blue leaders are going to fight and rich, my blue leader might kill your blue leader and you just accumulate points, but you only score the points that you scored or the number of points in the color you have the least points in. It's, it's very simple. It's kind of like a little wonky to wrap your head around, but man, I think once you do, I get why this is, like, one of the finest Euros ever made.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I can see it. I just, uh, it, I kind of bounced off it a little bit, but that's all right.
0: All right. uh, This is... Hmm. I, I want to mess with you. <laughs> this, this is... Okay. Pause.
1: <laughs> Tigris and Euphrates is not better than Red Storm. <laughs> well. Okay. It we was
0: continue. one. It was a one-point difference <laughs> between Red, Storm, and Tigers and Euphrates. All right. You may continue. <laughs> okay. Number 11 is the second best tactical game ever made. <laughs> uh,
1: I guess I'm going to say Advanced Squad later.
0: Yeah, and I don't actually stand by that. <laughs> I just wanted to with, mess with Rich. Yeah, it. yeah. It's ASL. It's yeah. Tactical World War II. We've Absolutely. talked about it a lot.
1: Yeah, if you don't know what it is... Welcome to the podcast. (laughs) This is your first time listening.
0: (laughs) Number 10 is our first coin, only coin Mm, in top 20.
1: It's got to be Fire in the Lake. Yep. Yeah, I figured. Yeah, that's uh, that's the best one, I think. I would agree with that.
0: I would probably agree as well, so far, of what I've played. Just put that disclaimer on it. All right, number nine.
1: uh, I think I've played all of them.
0: Number nine probably sits near the top of my giant pile of shame. <laughs> You've played it recently. That's not a very good hint. I don't know. Mitch helped bring him out the new copy. Oh,
1: Vietnam, <laughs> sixty-five, seventy-five. Yeah. All right, there we go. <laughs>
0: All right, uh, yeah, it's nine, operational nice. Vietnam. Yeah, is it? How you describe it? Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd call it that.
0: Cool. Got politics Number, and all
1: sorts of good stuff in there, which I haven't gotten around to playing that yet. Maybe maybe next year.
0: Someday I will play that game, which many people say is the finest war game ever made. They may be wrong, but they say it. <laughs> Number eight is another tie, so the first one up. Uh, this is probably one of the most popular, quote-unquote, war games.
1: Twilight Struggle.
0: That's right, Twilight Struggle, quote card-driven unquote. game. Well, I mean, yeah. No, I, I, that's it.
1: how I got it, because of sure. what you said.
0: <laughs> yeah, Twilight Struggle, a card-driven game covering the Cold War, vying for political influence over a whole bunch of different regions. Uh, it's I don't dislike it. It's just not my favorite.
1: Yeah. I like it. <laughs> um, I like it better online. It's less fidgety.
0: Yep, agreed. Second number eight. Uh, This is, according to this list, the best tactical game ever made for Hmm. World War II
1: is it last hundred yards
0: no combat commander Europe
1: oh okay yeah that one's never really on my radar I haven't played it so I mean I know it's out there I want to play it someday but it's just not something I'm usually thinking of
0: number six is probably the most abstract of the war games on our list uh, but it's also one of the most beautiful
1: hmm feel like i should know this and it's just drawn a blank abstract and beautiful war game i don't know what is it what do you
0: got sekigahara ah okay abstract in its representation i mean the game itself is not um yeah sekigahara another not card driven game and again not in the capital cdg sense but uh you're using cards to activate your forces and make them effective in combat it's A game that when I first played it I did not like at all. I did not like those mechanics and since revisiting that game uh, just continues to get better and better for me.
1: Yeah. That one actually is I like that better on the table than online.
0: Oh yeah. Well just it looks great. It does. Number five is the best game ever made.
1: Is it the U.S. Civil War?
0: It is. 109 (laughs) points. Okay. Number four You've mentioned it in discussion already. It is a card game. And I don't think we've ever played
1: mm, card game that I I've mentioned it since we started this discussion.
0: Uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Not a war game. Not a war game.
1: I, I can't remember that far back. Oh man. I don't think I've said innovation.
0: Nope. So, Good uh, guess. Now what is it? Pax premiere
1: oh okay I almost said that but I didn't think it'd be that high even though I like it a lot but yeah, yeah. well I guess it makes sense because I think most people would say it's better than Perferiana and if that's on the list then yeah
0: yeah Pax Premier, Tableau Builder, Manipulation Negotiating, Jump on the Leader Open Information it's good good stuff I highly mm-hmm. recommend it and it plays pretty pretty quickly
1: yeah. and which if you're not nice. playing with my family it does <laughs>
0: Number three. This was the most popular game. Uh, game. This had the most appearances on lists. It did not crack into the top two, though. Okay. Uh, World War Two game from GMT.
1: <sighs> well, that really narrows it down. Um, is it? Pacific
0: War? Ooh, you were so close. Oh, you were so Empire of the so Sun? Cl- yeah. Okay. Is. I haven't played this, so CDG it's, Pacific. It's
1: great. I want to play it again, but it's 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 yeah, it, it's it's a great game, and I want to play it more, but not this month. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, number two was number one until the last day, Ooh. or maybe the day before. Who
1: cast the last vote?
0: Uh, Mac, Captain Big Mac. All
1: right. Well. And now we know what he did.
0: So this is a train game.
1: Ooh, eighteen thirty.
0: It is eighteen thirty. I figured that would be on the list. Yeah, wasn't so it just on my list. Got knocked out at but...
1: number one at the last ma- ma- last minute, huh?
0: Yeah, thanks to um, Max. Number one game, is that right? No, it was. Who bumped it out? I gotta move your Skype icon. <laughs> No, your buddy Bruce actually changed it. I'm Ooh, sorry. Oh, interesting. So it was very close towards then. So not Bruce's number one game, but the final game is another game you've mentioned already in this discussion. It's your buddy Bruce's second favorite game of all time.
1: Is it Pacific War?
0: No. no. It's a series game.
1: Uh, Is it a war game?
0: It is. Okay. You were hoping uh, oh, it showed up um, on this list?
1: Yeah, so it's got to be Rose of Gettysburg
0: roads to gettysburg to 133 nice. points
1: yeah and i actually played that one with bruce a couple of years ago actually that was one of the last games we played when we were still meeting weekly at each other's houses before you know diseases and stuff
0: roads to gettysburg <laughs> had several top three appearances so in number twos and threes that had no number one no number ones same with 1830
1: wow so no number ones for either of those two but those were one and two
0: yeah, they what, were just consistently what, in the top 5 and what 6. What game had
1: the most number ones?
0: I'm glad you asked. <laughs> the games that the game that had the most number ones. Thanks to our good buddy Bill, Mac Captain Big Mac, and yours truly.
1: Well, if it's you, then U.S. Civil War, right? U.S.
0: Civil War had the most number one votes, but that was not enough to carry it. It only appeared on seven lists. And really? Yeah, outside of us three, I think it was... Uh, I'm not... sure I
1: had it on my list. Didn't I? Top 20? I think, because didn't I put it at like 12 or something? I think I remember teasing you about it.
0: Uh, duh, 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 duh. Yeah, so I've got a list, and we're going to post these results so we can go through them. Uh, yeah, number 12, yep.
1: Is there any game that was only on one person's list?
0: Oh, yeah, there were a few of those, but they're <laughs> mainly kind of obscure things, yeah, I don't think there was anything that's like wow, that's on like that game's only on one person's list, yeah, like eighteen forty nine showed up. We the people, I guess that's a little surprising, other than that, like some obscure euros can't stop made an appearance, cool.
1: So I'm looking at our list, so None But Heroes, we've got a number two, not on the list. Atlanta is ours, number four, not on the list. There was no OCS or BCS on that list, was there?
0: Okay, so let's talk about that, because we can talk about what just barely missed. One second, though. I need to make one small correction here i don't think it'll change the oh after
1: a recount the u.s civil war is now number one
0: (laughs) nope hold on one second yeah right no there was i think it slightly influences twilight struggle i just noticed that someone had it misspelled (laughs) and i thought i i caught all these because when you asked about what showed up once and i saw twilight struggle which obviously is not uh correct Mm -hmm. um So, it will just take a second here. Data, sort. And I'll lock this down, and then everyone will be able to see it and double check it. But that should have been the last error. So, what that does is moves Twilight Struggle up in front of Sekigahara. Okay. Yep. Okay. So, not, not a substantial change. Let's talk about those that just missed the list. Number 21 was Twilight Imperium. Okay. Number 22 was Liberty or Death. Okay. Tw- 23 was Star Wars Rebellion, which is impressive. Not a game that we ever talk about on the Discord or anything. Uh, Star Wars Rebellion, and then Pacific War for 24, and then 25 is your OCS entry. Okay. And that's DAC. And I combined DAC and mm. DAC-2 here because... Yeah i think some of that is like obviously gcacw was super well represented with stonewall jackson's way in roads to gettysburg Mm -hmm. the ocs votes were split the next war votes were split sure and so that does kind of hurt it where everyone has their own favorite in the series and it Mm -hmm. just happened to be that well i mean roads to gettysburg is one of the finest ones um seven inches stuff split across a couple yeah pretty well represented throughout um and for those who are curious victory games the civil war was in 55th spot so suck it
1: (laughs) that's uh two of your podcasts in a row that have confirmed what you already knew
0: that's right uh and then most popular empire of the sun showed up the most Gahara second most, and then 1830 in Pax Pamir, and Roads to Gettysburg showed up the third most.
1: I like the Pax Pamir love. I'm sure that was helped because it seems like for a while the guild had constantly had like six games going on. Sure. <laughs> so, yeah. We're all playing it. We're all playing multiple games when it first came out on Rally the Troops.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I fizzled on it a little bit just because I had so much of my fill, but not mm-hmm. not my enjoy of the game. But like, all right, I just need a break from yeah. Premier. But I could I could spin up another game for sure.
1: Yeah, sounds like we need to do that.
0: Here's just a couple that I'm a little surprised by, um, and then we then we can move on. This one, one of these is more surprising than the other. Men of Iron, Tri Pack, did yeah. pretty good at third 29 so top Mm -hmm. 30 but battles of the american revolution tri-pack also had a pretty good representation it wasn't on a ton of lists but it was high up on the lists that voted for it okay yeah there you go
1: else it was totally bizarre bizarre yeah
0: um dr don tried to vote twice Age of Steam got a lot of love. Someone had Gunslinger. Moriarty had Gunslinger as their top choice. I thought that was interesting.
1: Their number one. Interesting.
0: Yeah. I mean, I love Gunslinger. That's great. Shout out to Nate's list, which was full of multiplayer games. Not completely full, but Diplomacy, Twilight Imperium. He had a lot of those. It was pretty cool. A lot of Combat Commander love, both Europe and Pacific. Did that one get?
1: Like you're talking about OCS, kind of splitting the vote. Did Combat Commander do the same thing?
0: Most people went higher. Most people went Europe. There was one person I don't remember who it was that just said Combat Commander, and in those instances, I just assumed okay, and went with Europe. There were people who even voted for both. The commandant's number one choice is Europe. Number two choice is Pacific. So, (laughs) big Um, man. Vietnam did good. I'm not surprised by the 18XX presence. I'm a little surprised cuz that it's 1830, not in the sense that 1830 is bad, but that's just not like the one we talk about that much, which is totally fine. I mean, obviously people are going to have their own. Yeah, I mean opinions. that's the
1: classic though. I think that's yeah. the definitive. How many votes did Zeppelin Raider get?
0: None. Not a oh, no appearances. You know, one rigged. that's a little surprising is, and I I guess I get this because I don't think of are top 20 games, is the Columbia Block War Games. Had representation, got votes, didn't make it on the list. Yeah. Coin had votes all over the place, a lot of like Cuba Libre and stuff, but obviously Fire in the Lake stood out above the rest. Uh, you said Magic- Liberty
1: Death did well too, right? They were just outside?
0: Yeah, Liberty or Death, which okay. is I guess is what it is. (laughs) So yeah. The
1: people have spoken.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll put the uh, everyone's vote. So I've got everyone in the order that they voted with their top twenty and then the list populates from those. Nice. And you can see those.
1: You gonna do it again next year?
0: Yeah, absolutely. This is gonna be a running thing. And obviously the more people that do it, the better and more diverse stuff, and then we'll control it, we'll compare it each year and i just want to give a shout out to dads on the map once again they do this uh every year um i think they did it last year and this year and maybe one year before that regardless their episode was big inspiration for this i know it's popular things that podcasts and discords do but they were the ones like shit i want to do that because they didn't have enough war games and so that's that's why we're here there you go oh innovation not in the. That was another one that I thought would do. You mentioned it, but I thought it would yeah. do a little bit better. I
1: think I had it on my list.
0: You did. Yeah. You did. I was peeking at your list real quick and I saw that. And I was like, oh, yeah. So. <laughs> okay. This is a little bit of a long episode. I guess it's run standard procedure first. There's a couple of things I just. We charge wanted... the same, though, so it's fine. That's right. That's right. Before we go, I wanted to. GMT monthly update already happened weeks ago. Uh, but I do want to say congrats to Mitch because the teaser was an upcoming P 500 for a new next war title.
1: That's right.
0: I think we all know what it is.
1: Mm -hmm. So I'm actually, I'm going to be play testing that. So I'll have to, I don't know if I'll be allowed to talk about it or not, but, um, yeah. Um, uh don and i are going to start playing that i think next week
0: awesome yeah speaking of don i'll just roll if you listen to this before tomorrow night which is probably unlikely because i got to edit it uh don and i will be streaming our i think we will our bayonets tomahawk games going forward uh so that'll be cool and where i was going with that is gmt monthly update old news shine a light on you know keep up this other companies. Just because everyone's seen the monthly update by now, we're not we're not breaking any news. Uh, I just wanted to plug Legion War Games, their La Prima Genita, probably butchered that. That's coming out. That's Kim Kanger's remake of Road to Sharon, which is East Africa, early World War II, Kim Kanger game. That, according to Legion, should be out by December. So you can still, I think, get your pre order in to lock it. Like you can lock in your price when it's ready to finalize, then you pay at that time. Like you go in and check out all over again. Worth, worth checking out. Legion has really nice stuff. Um, and they have a couple solitaire games that will be coming out as well. There's the, the solitaire, uh, Vietnam air game coming out as well. The other one I wanted to mention too, and here's one we don't talk about a lot, but that's compass games. And so I got a copy of their November newsletter newsletter from, Uh, their developer james buckley and i was going through there and you know there was like pre-order announcements and stuff and some of this stuff i chewed over like purple haze but just looking at what they have coming up i was curious do any of these do anything for you so purple haze is the vietnam war game did you give that any look
1: uh i heard that it was there didn't look too closely
0: yeah, I think I'm going to go back to that one. They have some yeah. tunnel rat scenarios in there. Yeah, I really, I'm not just saying that, too. I'm not, I I wouldn't say it if I wasn't going to. I passed on it, but seeing that it's got that optional, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give it another look. And then, so they have a couple unique things coming out. One is Pursuit of Victory, and that's a grand strategy Napoleonics game.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Looks pretty interesting. I think it's very light. I'm going to keep my eye on it. But the one that really is interesting, if you like co-op games, and generally I don't, is called El Rey Planeta, which is um, King Philip of Spain and his favorite. And you play a co-op game, semi-co-op game, to guide and steer Spain. During King Philip's reign. And so King Philip is doing one thing and then the favorite is doing something else.
1: Huh. Interesting.
0: Yeah, I I think it could be. And it's a topic I think that is. Do so you play
1: his advisors, kind of?
0: One player is the king. Okay. And the other player is the favorite, which I guess is like.
1: Oh, I see. Okay. Got it. I yeah. thought I misunderstood you, but I see what you mean
0: and it's it's semi co-op. So I think you both want to do things um but whereas when you're playing so you play solo and you're just doing everything and guiding Spain and I'm sure achieving some kind of victory condition. And then in semi co-op the king is handling his own shit and political stuff and the favorite is handling like the wars and exploration. I don't know. Unique enough I There's not a lot of, like, information on the page, uh, but that's cool. And then they have a bunch of games coming out. Purple Haze. um, There's a remake of a game called Mini World War II. Mm -hmm. And it's a Grand Strategy World War II game that is, like, has a tech tree, but it's all very simple. And it looks okay. I actually like the look of Mini World War II a little bit more because it's so basic and simple and this now has like if you have boats like now you have an air Air force carrier sitting in japan and it's a little bit abstracted but i don't know i mean that could be good there's that um blitzkrieg game that's like world war ii in 15 minutes that i've heard really good things about Mm -hmm. and i i think is a little more advanced than that and uh that that caught my eye um i wish i remembered the name of it i can only remember the last edition which probably isn't helpful but it's all in the phalanx newsletter oh they have uh race to berlin they have the follow-up to race to moscow coming out as well
1: yeah i played that one a couple years ago now yeah but we played that together at one of our game days
0: okay well i what is cool is like i'm checking out all these games and like i go check who the designer is and mm-hmm. not many of them have a design backlog which is cool i mean it it obviously like then i'm going to do some more due diligence but i I like this i don't know i'm just on this kick of and some of these may not be good i i don't know enough about (laughs) these games i mean purple haze does really look interesting um but there's new designers new takes on games i'm certainly interested in them and like if i can play a grand strategic napoleonic game in two and a half hours and it's good i mean that's why i got swords around the throne right i mean I, will, I want to experience that right and so if they can pull that off i'm super interested but all right there you go i just wanted to do something a little bit different you have rpgs listed here
1: yeah what have you been playing much lately i i know we're i've i've played a little a yeah. little bit of alien online um tomstown Last time we played was I think before last time we recorded, but I've been running um, Call of Cthulhu Masks of Nyarlathotep. Nice. Lately, we're having a blast at that. It's just, it's so much fun. It's it's really fun watching uh, my family, the players, just like get into the whole mystery. They've got like the whole, like they put up like the crazy conspiracy theory board, and they've got the connections and everything. Yes. Else. If anyone walks in our house right now, somebody's getting arrested. But. It's uh it's good stuff.
0: Nice. Oh, well, I always love Call of Cthulhu. Look forward to getting back to Tomstown. I need to doodle that out. I'm running Rebirth, uh, the Genesis that meets once a month, and that's that's that really lore rich setting. Um, it's a struggle at times just to how to present that stuff, but I, I really like the group of players there and it's just this massive like global scale scenario that's very slowly unfolding. Yeah. But what I So I'm really, as, the, uh, no, as the
1: GM or DM or whatever, how well do you feel like you have to absorb the setting before you're ready to present it?
0: It's, that's, I don't know if I have a good answer because what I've. I've tried to like have these moments where we peel back from the table and I explain like, this is how the world works. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's come through in just like the scene setting. Sometimes it's like, hey, I strongly recommend you guys read this chapter. Not that it necessarily, you can play the game without doing that. Chapter in a, a, is it in a player's guide? It's in some of the finest produced books I've ever seen. And they have since stopped. Producing this game if you're at all interested I highly recommend you go download the the RPG source the stuff for free you can get the PDFs for free the art is out of this world Um, but there will be in the source books which are it's really one rule book divided into two you have all these stories combined with descriptions of these cults and these clans and, and this is how they progress. Well, like, all right, now let's take a step back and tell you this story. So it's, it's not the easiest thing to digest, but if you do put the work in, it's fascinating. And so that's like the struggles, like how do you get your players to also read as much as you're reading and point them to the right things that matter. Um, And we're making it work. And I think everyone's enjoying it. Uh, It's just a little different than, you know, plopping into Call of Cthulhu where you're just like, all right, it's 1920s and weird shit happens. Yeah. Buckle up.
1: <laughs> cool. Yeah, it's just always, I there was one time I played a game with a friend DMing, and I think we used basic d d rules, but the setting was, I don't remember what it was, but he was very familiar with it. But I just remember thinking at the time, like, as, as a player with no background knowledge of this, I wonder if it would be intimidating to have to absorb the setting as, as well as everything else.
0: Yeah. I think it matters. Like how much does it matter in the game? Like, cause obviously like something like curse of Strahd mm-hmm. has an amazing setting, but I don't know how deep you need it. Like you can go really deep beyond the surface level, but the surface level is this is spooky fantasy land. Yeah. And like how much deeper you don't have to go beyond that very far other than what you pick up in the stories it unfolds to still not enjoy the setting. Whereas I almost feel like rebirth is almost too dependent, but I enjoy it. So I'm okay with it because I think to really get the enjoyment out of it, you have to buy into like the, this is how the spore infection interacts with this part of the world and this is how this clan views this clan. And these are their characteristic types. And this group pissed off this group 35 years ago. And here's why it might matter for our role playing. And that, that's a little different, I think, than just like, oh, this place is cool. Let's learn more. Anyways.
2: Hmm.
0: Cool. So what I am really recently jazzed about is have you played Savage Worlds?
1: Yes. Um, I played Deadlands. Uh, a few years ago, and i that's Savage Worlds, isn't it? That rule set anyway?
0: Uh, Might be. I, I, I think don't know, it is. actually. I think okay. it is.
1: I think Deadlands is the weird west setting for Savage Worlds.
0: Nice. So, it's tons of fun. I like the the system so far. It seems to not really get in the way, but uh, Art, who has appeared on Deserted Island Dads, is running a Deus Volt setting using savage worlds and that's so dark medieval (laughs) and it's awesome i just laugh
1: because i was reading that book crusaders and i think there's a chapter called deus fold oh nice (laughs) god wills it
0: it's so good we just had this scene where my character walked off into a house with this um nun who was overseeing this uh temple that has a miracle and this statue is bleeding blood consistently. Mm -hmm. And like, as Mike, as, as my character is talking to this nun, she finds out that the nun attempted her own exorcism and botched it Mm
2: -hmm.
0: at the exact same time. The other characters use this, uh, like we're basically this department of paranormal, for the church right like we're investigating the weird stuff we're Hellboy without Hellboy <laughs> um, and they unfold this device that's like oh something dark and sinister is going on here and like that happened at the same time and it's just like it's just a really cool setting I like the dark fantasy weird things going on in a, in a medieval world it's a lot of fun
1: that's cool I have the, uh, the medieval setting book for Call of Cthulhu and I haven't done anything oh. with it yet but I want to play with that sometime
0: yeah that's interesting I, I'm just thinking about that could be cool yeah I mean it's nice it's a, one in one sense I can see that working on the other hand um, art's also doing something using another d100 game and it's it's nice to get away from the the d100 stuff because I am I was yeah. using it there we're using it in Call of Cthulhu it's sure. just nice to mix things up I'm sure they all work just fine
1: yeah and Savage Worlds is like promotion of dice system right I don't know if it has a name but like when your skills get better you go from like a d4 to a d6 to a d8
0: yep and then yeah. you have exploding dice so like generally you need yeah. a dice to like hit a 4 but like your dice can explode and so if you needed a 4 and now you roll a total of 8 you have a success plus right. a another success it's got a name yeah
1: yep yep that's the system I remember
0: it's fun yeah. it's really it, good yeah. So yeah, I've I've been RPG and I just haven't been talking about any, talking about it as much. Cool.
1: Yeah, I need to find more time to play more. We're still playing uh Warhammer Fantasy too. I mean oh, campaigns that's been going on like gosh, I don't know, two, three years at least. We've been going on a while now.
0: That's still all and then alive.
1: every character's still alive, amazingly.
0: Nice. <laughs> We're oh. and I've still got this great um Curse of Strahd campaign going. Um, I have scaled back significantly because I was in way too much so I've got Curse of Strahd M, M Space which is this uh, sci-fi um, kind of su- cyberpunk esque space adventure although we're on Earth right now um, that's great the Deus Volt thing Call of Cthulhu and Rebirth and I think that's it cool yeah yeah very cool Good, good stuff. All right, you got anything else, buddy?
1: No, I think that's it. I'm going to do a lot of uh, a lot of playing Pacific War this month, and a lot of singing this month. I don't know how much gaming I'm going to get done, other than Pacific War, but that'll keep me busy.
0: I've I've started to get Pacific War ready, which for those listening at home means getting counters yeah somewhat organized <laughs> and starting to make a dent in the rules so i'm getting ready i'm ready to dive in
1: i can't believe i clipped that whole game (laughs) but i did i'm glad that it's done
0: i'm gonna take the clip as i go approach i've decided cool awesome okay well folks that's gonna do it for us thank you so much for listening and again as we said in our uh, recent desert island dads happy holidays to you and your family and your loved ones thank you For making uh, this a great year for History on the Table. We still have at least one more episode for the end of the year to talk about Pacific War, and likely that will be split into two episodes um, for our end of the year recap, where we talk about the best things that were new to us this year, as well as some other categories. We're still working out whether that's going to be live or not. We'll do a test run and, and see how that goes, but you'll hear our beautiful voices at least one more time, maybe <laughs> two, maybe three, if you go hear Rich sing.
1: That's right, yeah. If you're in St. Louis, or actually, if you're even going to be in Columbia, come hear me sing.
0: It's pretty awesome. All right, if you want to come hang out with us or get ready to vote in next year's Top 20, join our Discord. There's a link in the show notes. You come hang out. You can talk Michigan football, World Cup soccer, hockey. Shout out to the Hockey Hobnobs Survivor League champion, Brandon.
1: Yeah, that was impressive.
0: Brandon and Paul. Everyone lost in week two except Brandon (laughs) and Paul. And we finally have have crowned a champion. So congrats to Brandon. If you want to do things like that, join our Discord. It's a pretty good place to hang out. Very good place to hang out. We have a website where you can find Every War Game Ever list. And I have a bio. Rich has updated his bio. Rich has updated his picture. (laughs) <laughs> all of those things. And from time to time, we post top five lists and articles and other nonsense. So that's going to do it for us. Rich, if they want to find you online, where can they go?
1: Discord is the best place, but I'm also on Twitter. I'm tripier jr. On there. Um, I hear all these horror stories about people leaving Twitter and yeah, I'm still there. So you can find me there.
0: Great. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at history table pod but as i said on twitter which obviously is still live and i still have twitter whatever i I don't need to go into that the best place to interact with us is the discord yeah and that will always be there for the time being (laughs) all right folks that's going to do it for us it was a long one it was a good one but i'm glad you stuck around this far